Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. So glad that you're here today, and especially if you're uh, visiting family from out of town and you're joining us today, so glad that you're here today. We are wrapping up our message series called uh, Savoring the Christmas Fruitcake, where we're talking about those distasteful fruitcake moments that happen during the holiday times and, you know, what God wants us to, boot, to do about it. And we actually started this series the last Sunday of November, right after Thanksgiving, and Pastor Gary uh, preached that message, and he used this exact fruitcake last month to help illustrate his points that day. Um, now, look, I have a reputation in our office that, uh, that, well, that I eat leftovers that have been around a long, long time. Uh, <laughs> my personal standard for leftovers is that I will eat leftovers, as long as they've been refrigerated, for up to 14 days. It's fine, okay? Now, if it's fish or shellfish, my limit's seven days, okay? It's like, that's, that's what, I'm trying to build up my immunity, y'all, okay? So just back off, all right? So anyway, but get this. This fruitcake, this exact fruitcake has been around since the last week of November. This baby is 28 days old. Now, the thing about fruitcakes is they're supposed to be able to last a long time before they go bad, right? So, literally, nothing ventured, nothing gained, right? Mm. Well, I've got good news and bad news. Good news is it's not rancid. Bad news is it's still fruitcake. It's terrible. Like, it's just awful. Oh, why do people buy these things? I just don't understand it. Wait, now, look, here, here's, here's, here's my point. Oh, let me get over this. Here's my point. There are some things during the holiday season that have even been around for a while and that we've had a part of our lives for a while that are so distasteful that they overshadow the real meaning of Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ. And that thing for you, it could be anything. That thing for you, it might be a long holiday tradition that your family has that you just hate. It could be the distance that you've had to travel. Um, it could be that someone, it could be that there's someone in your family that, you know, when they show up at that family gathering, I mean, they just make things awkward and uncomfortable literally for everybody, and that, that's your distasteful thing. It could be the fact that, I don't know, maybe things have changed in your family this year, and that there's somebody that's not going to be there that you love very much, and, like, their absence is going to be dearly felt. So I, I don't know what that fruitcake thing is going to be for you, but look, no matter what it is, what we can't do is we cannot let it get our eyes off of the real meaning of Christmas, right? Uh, because the most important thing about Christmas, it's not the presents, it's not tradition, it's not even getting together with family. The most important thing about Christmas is the birth of Jesus Christ. That's why we even have the holiday at all. And it, it, 
it's unfortunate that sometimes the birth of Jesus just kind of gets lost in all of the stuff that surrounds the Christmas holidays and all the things that try to distract our attention, especially those distasteful things. But here's what I want us to see, is that on the night that Mary and Joseph gave birth to Christ, on that very first Christmas Eve, I'm telling you, there were so many things that could have gotten Mary and Joseph's eyes off of the most important thing that was happening, that it could have left a bad taste in their mouths that first Christmas Eve. But you know what? The cool thing is Mary and Joseph didn't let that happen. Mary and Joseph did not let the distasteful fruitcake events of that first Christmas Eve, and by the way, that first Christmas Eve was filled with fruitcake moments. They did not let that first Christ, the fruitcake moments that first Christmas Eve get them to lose focus of what the most important thing was, the birth of their son, Jesus Christ, that night. Like, how, how, did, they, how did they do that? I mean, how were they able to maintain that kind of focus and not, not let the fruitcake overpower the magic and the majesty of that very first Christmas Eve? Well, what they did that night will help us not lose focus either. So what I want to do is go ahead and pull out your message notes. Let's start looking. Let's look at the passage because what God shows them, he also shows us. And he's been showing it to us throughout this entire series, but especially in the passage we're going to look at today. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, here's what the Bible says. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left him and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what, they had been, what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said, said to them. But, get this, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Okay, now, so for us, whether in our Christmas holiday season, whether it's something new or, you know, something that's old, something that's like been around for a while, you know, like 28-day-old leftovers, okay? What does God say to me about not getting distracted from the importance of the birth of Christ? Here's the first thing. I want you to write this down. First thing we're going to look at today is this. is God says that I need to make Christmas special for those I know and those I don't. Make Christmas special for those I know and those I don't. Now, I want you to remember that in Mary and Joseph's day and time, their society still functioned on the socioeconomic caste system. And the shepherds 
We're part of the lowest class caste in society. I mean, they were the bottom rung of the ladder. And the reason is, you know, these guys, to be able to find grazing fields for their sheep, they would have to be gone out of town for days, sometimes even weeks at a time, in order to be able to take the flocks far enough away to find good grazing. And so most of these guys didn't have families. Most of these guys were not very popular. Most of them smelled all the time because that's just kind of what you know, their job required them to do. And so they weren't respected. They weren't held in high esteem. They were part of the lowest socioeconomic caste in society. So get this. If like one of those lowly, smelly, stinky shepherds starts nosing around the maternity ward in the hospital... Like, how do you think that's going to go? I'm, look, I'm telling you, like, for me and Amy, if, like, somebody that we did not know, a complete stranger that had been living out in the field, hadn't showered or brushed his teeth in days, looked like something the cat drug in, I mean, there ain't no way we're going to let that guy come into our hospital room and hold our new baby. Like, I'm telling you, that is just not going to happen, right? But that could... And that could have been the attitude of Mary and Joseph. I mean, they could have viewed these shepherds as a real fruitcake moment for them. Because, look, I'm sure that when, you know, during the time when Mary was pregnant and, you know, she was trying to envision the day that she was going to have this baby, I'm sure she pictured herself surrounded by friends and family just cherishing and enjoying this moment. I'm sure she thought that her mom was going to be the one that would be by her bedside. I'm sure that she had this picture-perfect image of how things were going to go. But because they had to make this last-minute trip to Bethlehem, things didn't go like she pictured at all. In fact, she now finds herself surrounded by these stinky, lowly, unrespected, unrespectable shepherds. Look, and remember... Mary and Joseph had never met these guys. They were total strangers. In fact, there's nothing in the Bible that lets us believe that they ever encountered them again. So like, this is the only time they're going to meet. And so when these shepherds showed up, I mean, it could have been a real distasteful experience. In fact, Joseph could have stopped, stopped them at the door and not let them in. Which, by the way, would have ruined every nativity set that you've ever owned in your whole life. Okay, So thankfully he didn't do that, right? Okay, so they, they came in. And so when the, very, when the shepherds show up that night, Mary and Joseph, they welcomed them in. They treated these guys with dignity, with respect, with love, and with open arms. That's how they treated these shepherds. So despite being the lowest rung of the socioeconomic caste in society, Mary and Joseph treated these guys like they mattered. Because they did. Because they mattered to God. Because to God, every person matters. And so you know what that means for you and me? That it means that this Christmas, you know, when you, you, you gather together with your families over the next few days, when someone shows up that you didn't expect was going to be there, or that somebody shows up that you don't know, or for some reason your picture-perfect image of how Christmas is going to go is just completely wrecked, and it just doesn't match up with what you thought was going to happen, do what Mary and Joseph did, okay? Make Christmas special 
for those you know and for those you don't know that are there. Because, and why would you do that? Because every person matters. Every person matters to God. And because every person matters to God, that means that every person matters to you. And so what that means is that, you know, when you have these family gathers, gatherings, you don't just gravitate to the people, you know, that you know really well. And the, the members of your family that, you know, you just generally get along with and you have an affinity with. It means that you also give attention and care and conversation to those that you don't know that well. Those that tend to sometimes make things a little awkward. Because every person matters to God. And you look, you can let those family gatherings become fruitcake moments, but you don't have to. If you make Christmas special for those you know and for those you don't, you do exactly what Mary and Joseph did. And who knows what God might do with that? Because look, think about it. Of all the children born in Bethlehem that season, 2,000 years ago, there's only one birth that we still talk about today. Only one. We only remember and talk about one, and we look at all the crazy stuff that went wrong that night, and that is the stuff we celebrate and remember and tell and retell over and over and over again. Because God uses those fruitcake moments in our lives just like he did back then, okay? So, second thing. Second thing that we can do, number two, is this. I need to remember that, you know, what I want and what God wants are not always the same. What I want and what God wants are not always the same. Again, you got to try to, you know, get in your mind what Mary and Joseph experienced, okay? Because, look, the stable and the manger scene wasn't in a wooden barn like you and I think of, okay? They didn't build barns out of wood in the Middle East because in the Middle East, wood is a rare and precious commodity. They would never use it to build a barn. In fact, today, you can still go to the actual nativity scene where Mary and Joseph gave birth to Jesus. And it's not in a wooden barn. It's in a cave made of stone because that would have been the normal sort of stable scene that you would have in that day and time. And the manger would not be a manger of wood, it would be a manger of stone. And that's what it was. And so, get this, I'm sure that when Mary pictured her, you know, in her mind that picture-perfect time when she was going to give birth to Jesus, I'm sure she pictured that it was going to be at her home back in Nazareth, but instead, it's in a cool, damp cave in Bethlehem. I'm sure that she pictured that she was going to, you know, lay her son in a crib, maybe a family heirloom type of crib. Maybe it was a crib that Joseph had especially made for their firstborn, because remember, he was a, car- he was a carpenter, but instead, she has to lay her child in a stone feeding trough where animals fed. I'm sure that she thought that she was going to be surrounded by close friends, family. They were all going to be there, and it was going to be a, moment, a magic moment they were going to share forever. But instead, she's surrounded by barnyard animals. And then these strangers show up 
that she's never met and probably would never meet again. What, my, my point is, is that literally nothing went like she thought it was going to go. Whatever she pictured in her mind, none of it went like that. And it could have been a real fruitcake sort of moment for Mary and for Joseph. Because bottom line, Mary's plans and God's plans were totally different. They were not the same. You know what? Same's true for me and you. Sometimes the things we picture in our plans are not the same as God's plans. And you know, and that, I don't know why it is, but that's especially true around the holidays, isn't it? I mean, things just don't go during the holidays like we think we're, they're going to go. We just got to roll with it. I remember when I was a kid, um, my, one Christmas, my family, we went to Dallas to visit my dad's side of the family. And uh, my, my granddad... Was, had, was very sick. He'd been a smoker his whole life, and earlier that year he'd been diagnosed with lung cancer. And my, my dad prepared me a little bit for it. He said, you got to remember that your granddad is pretty sick with lung cancer, and this might be the last Christmas that he's alive and with us. So just want you to be prepared. It might look, not look like it's looked in years past. And I was like, okay. Well, we get there. I'm telling you, like it was, it was way worse than I ever could have imagined. I mean, I remember my, my granddad was sitting in his recliner in the den, and he was so weak, like he, he couldn't even get out of his chair. In fact, when I went over to him and I tried to have a conversation with him when we first got there, his voice was so raspy and weak that he could hardly talk because he was... I mean, every word was a struggle, and I could tell it was just sapping his strength. And uh, I remember that my grandpa asked my dad if my dad would go, you know, get a little basin of water and give him a shave, because my granddad was too weak to even shave himself. And so I have this image of my dad shaving my grandpa while he's reclining in his chair in the den because he was too weak to shave himself. And in addition to that, years earlier, uh, my, grand, my granddad had remarried because his, his first wife had passed away. And so this lady that he remarried for this Christmas, her adult, three adult sons were there with their families, and we'd never met these people. I didn't know any of their names. And so, like... Not, literally nothing went that Christmas like I thought it was going to go. I, I, it looked completely different. And I, I honestly, I could have a real bad taste in my mouth about how that Christmas was going and you know, my memories of it. But I don't. In fact, when I think about that memory of my granddad and my dad shaving him and all those people there, I actually have super fond memories of that Christmas because I could see how much my dad loved his dad. And more than that, I, could see, I, I remember how our family, like we just folded in all these people that we'd never met before, and honestly, we would never meet him again. We just folded them right into just Christmas, and we just enjoyed the time. 
My point is this, is that sometimes our plans are not the same as God's plans. And we can, we can let the distasteful, you know, moment overpower Christmas for us, or we can let God use it in our lives the way that he wants to. And we can use it because if we get our eyes on what God wants and not what we want, then first off, we don't lose sight of the real meaning of Christmas. It's not about things going like we want it to. It's about Jesus and his birth. It's about focusing on that. And so once we have that in our mind, then all the rest of it becomes a whole lot less important. And we can enjoy it. And even when things don't go like we didn't think they were going, just like they didn't go like Mary and Joseph didn't think they were going to go, I'm telling you, if you would just let go of your plans and embrace his those potential fruitcakes can actually become some incredibly great memories for each of us. Because again, nothing went like Mary and Joseph thought was going to go. But the Bible says that Mary treasured up all these things in her heart. And you can too. Okay, number three. Let's wrap it up with this. Number three is this. I need to focus on God's plans not my surroundings. Now, this is a little bit similar to the one we talked about just a second ago, but it, it is different. Because, look, Mary and Joseph were not surrounded by family. They were surrounded by shepherds, strangers, and they were in a cool, damp cave. And, look, let's just be honest for a second, okay? Well, actually, let's always be honest when we're in here. Okay, so uh, let's be transparent. Okay, let's, let me put it like that. Let's be transparent for a second. If, 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 if for some like crazy circumstance that you, you can't possibly even think of how you, how we get there, but if through some crazy circumstance, you ended up having to have your first baby in a cave surrounded by strangers, do you think you might be a little bit mad at God about how that worked out? I mean, do you think at some point you might go, God, why in the world did you let this happen to me? I mean, I think I would have, I think we would have been pretty disappointed and Mary and Joseph could have done the same. They could have been disappointed and mad at God too. But they weren't. They, they trusted God. Because here's the thing. God actually, get this, God actually planned for Jesus to be born in a cave. Surrounded by barnyard animals. Visited by the lowest cast members in society. And the reason is because God was sending a message to the whole world that his son Jesus was born for everybody. That Jesus didn't come just for the elite. That Jesus didn't come just for the smart people or the beautiful people or the powerful people. Jesus came for all people. And the reason Jesus came was so that he would die on a cross to provide forgiveness for your sins, for my sins, for the sins of the whole world, so that anybody who would ask Jesus to forgive them, that he would, and he would allow them to go to heaven when they died because they put their trust and faith in him alone. And Jesus offers that forgiveness to everybody, no matter where we've come from or where we've been or what we've gone through or what we've done. And so let me just say this, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you, you can do that today. 
There's a prayer. It's in your message notes. Look, if you've, never, if you've never prayed that prayer before, pray it today. Because the whole reason Jesus came was for you. He had you in mind when he came to this earth. Just like he had me in mind and everybody else. So if you've never prayed to become a Christ follower, do that today. Okay? Now, if you've prayed that prayer before at some time in your life, okay, if you've already done that, then learn the message of the manger scene. And that is to focus on God's plans and, and not your surroundings, okay? Because when things go awry with, at Christmas time, and, and they will, maybe not this year, but maybe another year, but at some point in time, things are not going to work out like you want to, and whatever you picture in your mind is not going to match what happens in reality. Stop focusing on just those externals. Stop focusing on the surrounding. Instead, focus on why God might have let something like that happen. Focus on why God might have not let things work out like you wanted to work out. It might be that God might want to, through you, reach out to someone else because of your patience, because of your understanding, because of your willingness to just embrace and roll with it and not just complain and get all bent out of shape about it. God might want to use your reaction and responses to show other people what's really important at Christmas. And that's Jesus. Not all this other stuff. So focus on God's plans and not your surroundings. I mean, look, isn't that what Mary and Joseph did that first Christmas? But they didn't focus on their surroundings. They focused on God's plan to save the world. And the Bible says that Mary treasured it. She treasured all the stuff that went wrong, all the stuff that went awry, all the fruitcakes that just showed up. That she treasured all of that in her heart. And she didn't let that distasteful fruitcake distract her from the most important thing, the birth of Christ. And I don't want you to let that happen either. And one of the best ways you can make sure that you keep that front and center is come here tomorrow on Christmas Eve. That on Christmas Eve, somehow, whatever your family plans are, fold in coming to worship and celebrate the birth of Christ into your family's plans. We've got four Christmas Eve services tomorrow. 315, 430, 545, 7 o'clock. They're all listed in your bulletin because you're not going to remember what I just said. But they're, they're there. Come tomorrow night. It's a candlelight service. It's going to be incredible. And that way you can keep your focus on what God's plans are for the world, not the surroundings, whatever those surroundings might be, okay? So, I'll see you tomorrow night. Bow your head, close your eyes, let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that, <laughs> that so many things went so unexpectedly for Mary and Joseph that first Christmas Eve. And I, I wanna say thank you, not because that was such a great thing, but thank you that you use those things to be great in their lives, just like you can use the things that go awry as something great in ours. And so I ask that you would help us to trust you and trust your plan, trust your ways, and not let those sorts of things get our focus off of the most important thing, the birth of Jesus. And so help us to gather here tomorrow to worship you and to celebrate the birth of your son, because through him, you've changed us and you've changed the world. And it's in his name we pray, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. 
For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.